everyone, and welcome to Random Alien Brain Droppings. My name is Suzanne Chancellor, and I'm a contactee, an abductee, and an experiencer. I know it sounds a little redundant, but um, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you don't really know how to label yourself when you're involved in this phenomenon. But those of you out there who are like me, who are experiencers, have a tendency to say experiencer because... It is kind of a thing that we have a hard time trying to come to grips with and come to terms with the fact that these things have indeed happened to us. One of the hardest things to do for myself is to look at the reality of the situation that was my reality and try and express to other people what exactly it was that happened to me and the fact that it happened to me since I was a very small child. Now, I did not come to terms with this until probably about two and a half years ago where I started getting screen memories coming back to me. And I thought they were dreams. I thought these things that had happened to me as a child were actually just very, very vivid dreams that I had had. But upon reading Whitley Strieber's Communion uh, when I was about 26 years old, the book completely resonated with me. And I knew that I was not the only one that had these experiences. Finally, I had seen for my own eyes that this was a reality for someone else other than myself. After that, I started reading more and more books on the subject, and one book that caught my eye was uh, Missing Time by Bud Hopkins. And upon reading that book, another memory came to me, and that was my second abduction experience that happened when I was four in 1966. As I started recalling my memories of my earlier childhood abductions, I realized that when I was little, I thought they were just dreams. I had no real comprehension of the reality that was my experience as my first experience happened at night, so I equated it to a dream. But my second known experience happened during the day, which involved missing time which made no sense to me at all, so it made everything very confusing. My father worked for Jet Propulsion Laboratories, and my grandfather worked for Caltech. And I don't know if that has anything directly to do with it, but I have found in my research, if you want to call it research, and finding out the answers for my story um, and my journey, was that a lot of people who were experiencers or abductees did have some sort of a military connection whether it be working for the government or working for government agencies, per se, or in the military. It seemed to me that there was some sort of analogous uh, commonality there that had a lot to do with the things that I remembered with my family. My grandfather worked on the first Apollo mission that went to the moon. And being as my experiences first started when they worked there, I thought that was quite strange. But my first memory was an abduction, a typical quote-unquote abduction scenario where I was taken in the middle of the night and brought back to my bed by beings that I had no idea what they were, but they put me in bed and tucked me in. In the morning, I woke up and realized that I had some experience or a weird dream, and I felt that there was some sort of a procedure that had been done to me in retrospect because I did ask my mother for a Band-Aid to put on my belly button. So why would that be? Why would I remember that? It just seems quite strange to me. My second uh, memory was about a year later, and it was during the summertime. I was in preschool. My mother worked full-time, so I went to daycare during the summertime, and I had a what I would call a missing time scenario where... I left the schoolyard and wandered behind the playground and entered a small abandoned barn. And in that scenario, I did see an owl in the rafters of this barn. And upon seeing the owl, which I thought was so amazing, I'd never seen a creature like that in my life. I thought it was quite incredible. It looked at me, and at that moment, everything became very bright, and there was a loud buzzing noise in my head, and it dropped me to my knees, literally. The sound was so loud, and as I tried to cover my ears, I realized that the sound was actually coming from inside my head, and I couldn't get it to go away. No matter how hard I tried to put my hands 
or my fingers in my ears. The sound would not go away, and I sat on the floor of this barn until it finally went away. And when I opened my eyes, it was dark outside. Now, I don't know what happened between the time that I actually started hearing the noise until I opened my eyes, but at that point I realized that a lot of time had transpired, and not knowing if I had either passed out or fallen asleep, I was just stunned. I was in shock, and I was scared. I mean, it was dark, and I was completely disoriented in my surroundings, and I realized at that point that I was st- I must have still been in this barn, and I heard my mother and a bunch of other people calling my name with flashlights outside, and I, I ran out there, and I realized I was in really big trouble. So how do you explain that to your parents? How do you say, I went out here, I saw this, I heard a buzzing? I mean, they must have thought I was insane. All I knew is that I was going to be in big trouble when I got home. In 1969, we moved about 40 miles north of Pasadena in a small community called Newbury Park, California. My father subsequently started working for Northrop, and he worked there for many years, and there were periods of time where he would have to leave without telling us where he was going as he was working on something that was apparently top secret. (laughs) And he would say to us, you know, uh, don't worry, Daddy's going to be home soon. He's going to be safe. I won't be able to call you, but just know that I will be coming back soon. When we moved there, I was seven years old, and I was really still not quite sure about the things that had happened to me, but all I know is the experiences did not stop with my move there. In fact, they continued a lot more often than I actually would have liked. Let's just put it that way. And the fact that I was a little bit older, I was a little bit more aware of the reality of the situation being that they weren't dreams. In fact, I think at that time, I started having a lot of apprehension going to sleep, and I would stay up past my bedtime. I actually made a little room in my closet where I would go and shut the door after my mom had tucked me in for the night and sequester myself in hopes probably that they would not find me, but deep down inside, I knew that they would always find me. I couldn't hide. I have a really strong memory of one evening where I was laying in bed and I just knew that they were coming. I was wide awake. And my first instinct was to get up and hide. And I ran into the bathroom and I actually hid in the bathtub. And at that point, I blacked out. And I knew that they were coming. It was during that experience that things started to change from a quite horrible abduction scenario where it was all very traumatic and I ended up on a craft. I know it sounds very fantastic, but it really was something quite strange as prior to that, I had never been in that scenario before. I do not remember anything after being in the bathtub, but all I remember is being aboard the craft. I don't know how I got there. I was in the middle of a room. It was a very large circular room. So I'm assuming that it was inside of a a round craft. As I looked around, obviously, I could see many beings. I saw a lot of grays, which was very strange to me because out of all the times that I had had these beings around me and taking me and doing things to me, I had no fear of them whatsoever, which was quite odd. And another thing that was very strange is that none of them turned around and looked at me. Nobody gave me any attention at all, which was interesting that they just went about their business instead of looking at this human that was standing in the middle of this room. Now, what was interesting is they were all doing something. They were all, it was all, it was like they had a job to do, each one of them. They were like little busy ants working away on what were controls that you couldn't even see. And if I could explain that better, it was almost like there was a cylindrical counter enveloping the room. And as they waved their hands over the counter, it was almost like they were um, adjusting things like settings or, or maybe that's how they maneuvered the craft. I'm not sure. Now, another interesting thing about that was there were two humanoid-like beings also doing the same thing. Now, 
they were dressed in, in uniforms. It was a, bo- a boy and a girl. And I would say they're about in their teens. And they were the only ones that actually turned around and made eye contact with me. But they seemed very uninterested in my presence there, which was very odd. Now, I almost felt like running to them, say, hey, what's going on? But at the same time, I had a, a sense of peace as I stood there. Now, at that moment, I felt a presence to over like the left hand side of my shoulder behind me. And I turned and I looked and there was this elegant being. Now, I I don't want to call him a gray because he seemed a lot taller, very majestic. He seemed, I would say, over six feet, maybe even seven feet tall. He had the same similar characteristics of a gray, but his head was a lot larger. He wore a shimmering robe, I would say, like a cape. And he stood there and he looked at me and he spoke at me telepathically and he asked me to follow him to the edge of the craft or the edge of the room. So I did as I said, or as he said. And as we walked over to the edge of the room, he waved his hand across the wall and it opened up like a giant window, almost like it was uh, like if you're going to wipe off steam off of the inside of a window. And when I looked out the window, I could see the earth. And I had this real awakening to the fact that, wow, I really was off earth at that moment. Now, I don't know, again, in retrospect, I think, wow, that was the most fantastic dream I've ever had, but it was so real. It's almost like I could just reach out and touch what would be be glass, but I did not. I was too afraid. I think that I didn't want to do something I wasn't supposed to. At that moment, he pointed in the direction behind me of an open archway and telepathically again told me to follow him. So he walked past me. And when I say walked, it it wasn't like he actually walked like a human. It's almost like he glided across the floor. And I followed him down this hallway where there were many doors on either side, but with no, they're more like archways. And each room had something going on, but he took me to this one particular room. And when I looked into the room, there, it was almost like a classroom setting. There were many chairs lined up in a row. And at the end of the room, there was almost like a big screen. on. The, but it was actually like a projection on the wall. But it was almost three-dimensional. And there were images being shown of like wars and famine and floods and, and just cataclysmic events. And to me, it looked like I was looking at pictures of, of things like World War II and of like famine in Africa. And I was mesmerized by the fact that this room was full of other humans, albeit they were all around the same age as I, and maybe just a little bit older, I would say in their teens or so, but no adults, which I think is quite strange. And they were just staring. It's almost like they were hypnotized by what they were seeing on the screen, whether it was induced by them or if they were just completely stunned as I was at this whole event. I have heard of other abductees describing a very similar scenario where they were shown visions or or given telepathic thought of cataclysm here on this earth. And I do believe that there is some sort of a message that's been given to us, almost that they are trying to shed light on what we are doing to this earth and that we are destroying this earth. And maybe by giving us this message that we will do what we can here in the masses, all of us abductees together to try and help those understand what it is that we are actually doing by the things that we are doing. And one of those things that I felt was a direct message from whom I'm I'm calling the emperor was that Man needs to let go of the ego and also let go of fear. Those two things together are like poison to this earth because it seems as though all the things that are connected to ego have not been the most fortunate things that have happened here on this earth. Another thing that I got from the emperor, now I believe that these are all downloads per se that those of you who don't know what a download is, it's uh, just a piece of information that's actually given to you, but not necessarily retrieved at the moment that it's actually given. I did not actually remember 
these things until many years later. In fact, in the past five or so years. But one thing that I did receive that I did remember was that the cure for cancer is something that we use every day and that we are trying too hard to try and figure out what that is. We're just overlooking it. And it was something that we used every day. That, again, I think is really interesting because I think that a lot of us have realized that there has been a lot of findings done on certain products that are used recreationally by certain people on this earth that seem to be fighting cancer. Also, another download that I received was an algebraic equation that I have no idea what it means. I don't remember it now, but I just know that it was given to me. And I could not understand it. And I told him telepathically, I said, I have no idea what that means. And he said, when it is time, you will understand what it means. And another thing that I received was a symbol, which I have actually drawn, and it is drawn, and there is a photograph of it on my website at www.abductiawareness.com dot blogspot.com. If you would like to go there and check it out, you may do so. What I find quite interesting is after that abduction, I'm going to say abduction because again, it was against my will or was it, but I do believe that most abductions are, but this one seemed a lot more benevolent than anyone I had ever experienced prior to that. And interestingly enough, after that event, it seemed that my visitations stopped for quite some time through my early 20s. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that they had already taken what they needed from me or I had evolved into the next level of the phenomenon or they were giving me information or I don't know. But it seemed really interesting that I didn't have any other traumatic experiences, especially with the grays. All I knew is that it was so fantastic, that it was so above and beyond anything that I'd ever experienced, that there was no way I could ever explain it to anybody and to share it with them because it was something that was beyond my own belief. So if I couldn't believe any of this, who else would believe me? One of the reasons I'm doing this show is to connect others like myself who are trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, to try and figure out why we were chosen to be part of this and maybe find some sort of solace in the fact that we experiencers are not alone in regards to this phenomenon. That being said, if you would like to contact me, you may do so at abductiawareness at gmail.com. That's abductiawareness.gmail.com. Or visit my blog at www.abductiawareness.blogspot.com. I feel that many of us who have had these these situations happen to us in our lives have not had anyone to talk to. And I just want you to know that you can contact me if you need any sort of support anywhere you need to be guided to as far as a support group or um, having regressions. I mean, there are wonderful people out there who can help you in that respect. So please contact me personally. I know that I get a lot of emails So please bear with me as I try and contact you as soon as possible. I know by doing this show, it gives me solace and it gives me a place where I feel comfortable to not be alone, to be able to have a platform to share these things with all of you, to share my experiences in hopes that those out there who are afraid to speak out will join me eventually and share their stories so that maybe we can come to terms with our experiences and to hold hands and comfort each other. So getting back to my last experience in my early teens, which was quite fantastic, as as I said before, I did not have any recollection of anything happening to me until my early 20s. I ended up getting married and having a child when I was 24 years old. And about a year later, I came across Whitley Strieber's book, Communion, in a bookstore. And upon seeing the cover of that book, I stopped dead in my tracks and I thought, oh my God, what is this? I could not believe my eyes. And I bought the book straight away and read it in about a day. I could not put it down. And I knew at that moment that these things were indeed real. 
So I knew that my memories were not dreams, and I felt completely relieved in a way and shocked in another at the same time. As much as I didn't want to believe these things were real, I knew I wasn't crazy. For the first time, I knew that somebody else was out there just like me. And if there was one, maybe many more. So I grabbed every book that I could read and tried to educate myself on the phenomenon. And at that time, it was very interesting because I ended up having an experience with my oldest daughter, who was at the time three years old. Um, I was engaged to be remarried, actually. That was in the year 1989. So she was three years old. And one night I was lying in my bed next to my fiance, who was fast asleep. And I looked up at the ceiling and I saw tons of little prismic shapes with different colors swirling around the ceiling. And I couldn't understand what that was. And I thought there was some sort of light refracting from the window. And so when I went to look at the window, I realized that I could not move my head. Now, I was in panic. I thought, oh my God, what is happening to me? I couldn't move anything but my eyes. And at that moment, a gold disc flew in from the side of the room in the direction of the bedroom window across the bed. And it actually manifested into the shape or the form of what I perceived to be a woman on my left, just standing there. And I could not scream. I couldn't make a sound. I couldn't move. And at that moment, in my sheer terror, she speaks to me telepathically. And she says to me, marriage is the most sacred part of our existence. And I am giving you the chance to experience that if you wish. Now, again, I am completely baffled at this communication because I'm thinking, all I could think about was what in the heck is going on? Why is she here? How did this manifest into a human-like form? And the only thing that I could think of in my head at that moment was, I am so glad that you don't look like what you normally look like, because if you showed up like that next to me and I saw you, I think I would freak out. And she spoke to me again telepathically. She says, if you would like to know what I look like, then look at the bedroom window. Now, mind you, I couldn't turn my head, but I could move my eyes. And in my periphery, hanging from my windowsill, was a mantis being. Now, imagine my horror at the same time I'm seeing all of this going on with this woman standing next to me, speaking to me telepathically. I've got praying mantis hanging from my windowsill. And at that moment, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. My door flies open, and three little blue beings come in and they stand at the end of my bed. At that moment, the woman shoots across the room and basically vaporizes through the wall. I'm not even paying attention to her at this point. I'm paying attention to these little blue, they look like Smurfs, and they had little black round eyes, and they were saying to me, in my mind, it's Elise, who was my daughter. She's throwing up and we can't get her to stop throwing up. Now, I'm thinking only about her at this moment because my daughter apparently is being affected by this situation as well. So whatever strength I had in me to get up out of my bed, I did. And I didn't even look at them. I just ran down the hallway and ran into her room. And she's crying. And she says to me, Mommy, I can't stop throwing up. And she starts vomiting all over the bed. And I am just in horror at being ill, like everything else did not even matter at that point. I just wanted to make sure she was okay. So I picked her up and I threw her in the bathtub and I started rinsing her off. And at that moment, my fiance woke up, which is interesting because prior to that, there was so much pandemonium going on in the bedroom that I was very surprised and shocked that he didn't wake up. So I clean her off and I change her bed and I lay her down and I stroked her hair and, and waited till she fell asleep. And then I went to bed. And in the morning, she got up and she was fine. She wasn't sick. She had her breakfast. And my fiance looked at me quizzically and he said, basically, did the visitors come last night? Now, we had a standing joke between the two of us that if he slept like crap, he would say things to me like, did the visitors come? Now, he knew that I was an experiencer. I did share that with him because I, I felt that at that point in my life, anybody that I was going to be involved with had to know that this was part of my life and I could not hide it. And I could not promise that it would not involve him or that he might see something. So, you know, I think that if anybody out there 
is like me and is an experiencer, that it's best to share these things with your partner or your family members if they're old enough to understand that this is happening. I mean, there can't be any secrets within this phenomenon when it comes to um, being involved in a relationship. You need to, you know, obviously express these things because it's quite bizarre, needless to say. Anyway, so I said to him, yes, I, I think something happened, but don't talk about it because I knew that it involved my daughter and I did not want her to hear anything about this. I did not want to alarm her. So she was eating her cereal and I poured her some juice. And when I went to the table, she was doodling a little picture and I looked down and to my surprise, she had drawn a little round face with two little black eyes and there were two lines on each side of its head. And then a squiggly line over its head, like in a kind of like in a circular pattern. Now, I didn't want to scare her or prompt her. So I just said to her, I said, oh, that's really cute, honey. What is that? And she said, well, that's the animal from my dream last night. And I said, well, honey, it doesn't really look like an animal. And she says, well, they're not really animals, but they're not really people either. Okay, now I'm freaking out a little bit because I'm thinking this might involve what happened last night. But again, I didn't want to prompt her. So I said, well, that's really cute, honey. So, so what did it look like? And she said, well, there were three of them and they were blue. At that moment, I thought, okay, this is not a coincidence. I mean, either we had a shared dream, but again, how can that happen? I mean, I'd never heard of anything like that before. So I I was actually getting a little bit unnerved at this point. So I didn't want to alarm her again. And I just said, so honey, what were they doing in your dream? And she said, well, they were smelling me and they were telling me that they loved me. So I'm thinking, okay, so they are presenting themselves to her in a way that she's not alarmed. I've had this experience in my life and now I'm mad. Now I'm thinking, okay, they've crossed the line and now they are including my family members and I am not going to have it. But again, how could I prevent it? You know, so... I said, well, that's really cute, honey. And so what are these lines next to its face? And she goes, well, that's where their ears should be, but they don't have any ears, which I thought was quite strange. And so I asked her what the little thing was over its head. And she said, well, it's a cloud, mommy. They come from the skies. I knew at that moment that she was directly involved in the experience. And as a parent, it was quite alarming. And I mean, obviously... When you have no control over your own experiences, but to have no control over your own children's experience is a very frightening thing to wrap your head around. And to this day, she doesn't have any recollection of the experience whatsoever. And when I have asked her about it, she directly says to me, I don't believe in it. I don't remember anything. And I don't want to talk about it. She is now the age that I was when I read communion and around the same age that I was when I first started recalling my memories. So I have a feeling that these things will come back to her. And I have told her that if she does want to talk about it, that I am open. I always will be. I am here for her. And if anybody out there who is listening to this right now, who is a parent that suspects that they have had the same situation happen with them and a family member, um, just remain open and tell them that you are there for them. If they don't want to talk about it, if they don't understand it, they have to come into their own realization in their own time, not yours. That's their journey. It's not yours. As much as you want to nurture them and comfort them, it has to be in their own time, in their own awakening of their own consciousness. As I started doing a lot more reading on the subject and trying to see if there were other people like myself that had experiences with their children, I started reading about others who seem to have a lot of heightened high strangeness in their lives, a lot of precognition, a lot of uh, psychic awareness, psychic abilities. And that really resonated with me as well. Because I started to remember that I was having in my early 20s, a lot of precognitive dreams. And I still do at present, which is very interesting. I don't know if it's just the phenomenon itself, if we're just more sensitive to these things, if we just pay more attention to them, if we're just more aware. But I have found that a lot of experiencers also have the ability to be able to read people and to be able to feel their energy. I have had that as well. Along with other experiences, 
and a lot of other visitations. What I found at that point was that they seemed to change. It seemed as though when I did have a visitation, it did not involve a quote-unquote abduction scenario. It seemed to me that they were just making their presence known. As early as 2011, I had a visitation when I was house-sitting for somebody. And ironically, I had started meditating quite a bit. I had talked to another experiencer who had said to me that they felt that I needed to connect with who they were and to open myself up to them and to really just allow them to convey the message that they were trying to give to me, to be more receptive. And one day in particular, I decided to meditate. And with that direct message, I said to them, whoever they may be, please make themselves known to me which in retrospect was not necessarily the best thing to do. So I don't really recommend it. I think it should be more specific because you're opening yourself up to pretty much anything at that point. But that night I had gone to bed. I was alone and I was sleeping with uh, the dog, beautiful uh, Labrador retriever. And we were asleep and I woke up at 3.33, which is something I've heard quite a bit lately I have no idea why that number keeps coming up, but when I woke up, I woke up with a start. And when I looked across the room, I looked at the bedroom doorway, and there stood three grades. And I thought, oh my God, what is happening? And they just looked at me, and they stood there, and they just spoke to me telepathically, and they said, we are the grades, and we are here. And I almost had to laugh, because... It was almost comical, like they were just standing there. I thought, well, what do you want? I mean, what can I get for you? This is hysterical. I didn't have any fear whatsoever in their presence for the first time in, I think, my whole life. And at that moment, they just basically turned around and they just walked away. And I almost felt like I had some sort of a protection from something. I felt like they weren't allowed to interact with me. They weren't allowed to come near me. It was almost like they were just trying to let me know that they were always going to be in the periphery, that they weren't going away. So I don't know if something's changed in the experience itself. So if anybody out there has had this similar situation, I would really love to hear about it. And again, you may email me at abductiawareness at gmail.com. And yes, please share that with me. It was around the same time that I had a very incredible precognitive dream. I dreamed that I awoke at the scene of a bus crash. I literally woke up and I was standing with five other people staring at a bus that had fallen over on its side. Now, there was no other vehicles involved at all with this accident. But what was really strange to me was when I looked to my left and my right, there were five other people standing there with me. We were all holding hands, looking at each other, thinking, what are we doing here? But at the same moment, we all looked at the bus and we just went right to the bus. And we went into the bus, not through the door, but we went right through the bus into the interior of it. Inside the bus were women, women and their children. And there was screaming and crying and hanging from their seatbelts. And, and all of a sudden I was drawn to this one woman. And she had this look on her face. And she spoke to me telepathically, please help my baby. And I'm thinking where's the baby? And I'm looking around and I realized that there was a baby wedged underneath her seat. So I grabbed underneath the seat. I grabbed the baby. And when I picked her up, she was crying and she had a cut on her face. And when I made sure she was okay, I reached up and I unleashed the woman from her seatbelt so she was free. Now I looked around the bus to make sure everyone else was safe and not hurt. And then I saw the five other people that were standing with me were all doing the same thing that I was doing. They were all attending to one person on that bus. And the moment that I realized that nobody else was severely injured, I woke up and I was in my bed and I'm thinking, what just happened? Now, I felt like I actually was at this accident scene and it was so compelling, I could not shake it all day long. And I told my boyfriend at the time about the story. I said, you know, I just had the most vivid dream I think I've ever had in my life. And I really felt like I was there and I explained the whole thing to him. So a day went by and the next day when I woke up, I still had this feeling about this, this dream that it was so real. 
and I couldn't shake it. I mean, it was just like looming over me. And so I got on the computer and just for fun, I thought, you know, I'll just Google, you know, tour bus crash. It looked like a tour bus, like a double decker bus. And for whatever reason, I recalled that as this woman spoke to me telepathically, she wasn't speaking English. She was speaking another language. So what was really odd was that I understood everything that she was saying to me, although I knew that it wasn't English. So I, I typed in bus crash Europe and I typed in the date and I clicked on the first page, scrolled down to the third page. And on the third page, there was a thumbnail of a photograph. And when I enlarged it, it was the same exact bus that I saw in my dream. And I could not believe it. So I read the article and it said that there was a bus that was full of women and their families, their children, going to a summer camp on that very day, that very time that I had the dream. And it was in Bulgaria. And I couldn't believe my eyes. The one thing that I could not believe was that there was one fatality. And I thought to myself, how could I have missed that? very important thing as I scoured that bus to make sure everyone was okay, everyone was fine. Well, the thing was, the person who died had been ejected outside the bus. That is why I did not see her. So how does one explain this? How does one explain the fact that I actually left my body while I was sleeping in real time, went across the world to the scene of a horrific accident to help somebody in a situation where they're in danger. It really made me start thinking about what we do when we sleep. Do we actually cross the veil? Do we connect with our higher self? Are we actually guardian angels? What are guardian angels? Are they really us? When these things happen to people, we've heard these stories before where people see a guardian angel. They they say that they have a guardian angel watching over them where We've seen photographs of apparitions at the scene of a horrible accident. So is that really us going somewhere, helping other people, doing the work while we sleep? I don't know. I mean, what do we really know about space and time? And there is that space time lapse where we think about deja vu, for example, seeing things before they happen or having a feeling that somebody's going to call you or you're going to see somebody. I've had that happen to me time and time again in my life. And again, for those who are experiencers, I have heard many stories of them having the same experience as I. Definitely something that needs to be uh, looked into. And, and once we start putting these cosmic pieces of the puzzle together, maybe we'll come up with some answers. So I've been thinking a lot about these past couple of years and thinking a lot about the doom and gloom of the impending 2012, as I'm sure we all did in the year 2011, and maybe a couple before that. And I think we all know now, obviously, that that was just something completely ridiculous and pretty happy to say that we're all still here to talk about it. So that being said, it has definitely been a couple of years of transformation for me, and I can attest to that for a lot of other people as well. I think that it's definitely a change. I don't think it's the change that we all thought it would be, thank God, or whoever. <laughs> but I think it's definitely been a time of awakening. I think that the more that we think about the impending doom and gloom that might be upon us, it does make us think about things a lot differently in our lives. And maybe think a lot differently about the way that we live our lives, the way we treat other people, the way we treat the earth. I think that's very important. But I also think that there was a lot of change in a lot of ways in the world. And for a lot of people personally, myself included, this journey that I've had as an experiencer has led me on such a path that I never, ever would have imagined that I would have been on. And that has included meeting so many amazing people, fellow experiencers, people in the field. Um, I, I met my absolute hero of an author, Whitley Strieber. I can't even tell you what an absolute dream that was to be able to come face to face with the man who brought me into my own awakening that the things that had happened to me were not a dream. So I'm very grateful. And his lovely wife, Anne, 
I just could not even begin to tell you what an amazing couple they are. And for all the work that they've done for all of us, I, I thank you both so much. And along the journey as well, I've noticed that along with my own awakening of my own consciousness awareness, I have had complete synchronicity in my life where it has just been abounding. I mean, literally to the point to where it almost became ridiculous. I almost felt like every day something would happen that would lead into something else. And, and it was almost like the, the, you know, the six degrees of, of separation or, or, or the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, as you might say. But in, in a sense, I feel like it's all happening the way that it should and all the cards are falling the way that they should. And in the very beginning of my coming out, quote unquote, to be able to have the strength to let go of the fear of coming forward with these stories, to speak my truth, take a stand. And along the way, it has allowed me to come in contact with a lot of people who are actually very monumental in my uh, having this show here tonight. And I wanted to thank one Mr. Lauren Cuts for that. Because if it wasn't for him, I would not be doing this show right now. I have to thank you so much for that, Lauren. And with that came the synchronicity. Because in the very beginning, when we first connected, we connected about uh, a similarity that he heard about my story that was very analogous with another story that he was covering from someone else. And... It just seemed like synchronicity upon synchronicity started happening, and it was a very amazing journey. But the one thing that I have to say about that is that maybe we just need to start really paying attention because I don't think those synchronicities are there for a reason, but we just need to choose to pay attention to them. And maybe we really need to pay attention to synchronicity when things are the toughest in our lives. When somebody's trying to give us that message, when we have lost all hope, I had that happen to me. I had been in a long-term relationship and things were not going well. And a lot of it had to do with, I believe, my dedication to this truth. And although I'm very passionate about it, I think that sometimes people tend to say one thing and then another when they say that they understand your passion and desire to dive in head first into this field. A lot of times they say that because they are saying something that you want to hear. And that I believe was my case. And after a lot of soul searching, I just realized that I could not back away as this had become something I felt very dedicated to. And after a long relationship, it ended and it was very, very difficult for me and very frustrating because I just really felt compelled to keep on delving into this phenomenon and I didn't want it to consume me at the same time. I didn't want to back away from what I believed, what I believed in. So I basically surrendered. I surrendered to the universe and I just said, okay, enough is enough. The next time you present me with somebody, a companion, a partner, please make that person be an experiencer and have similar interests. And please let him be a parent, somebody who understands what it's like to be a parent, somebody who loves to laugh, somebody who's dedicated, honest, everything that I, I believed that I needed to have in my life at that time. And I just let go. I just gave it into the hands of the universe and just went about my merry way. So the day after I recorded a Dreamland seg a segment for Whitley Strieber for his Unknown Country site, I received a friend request from a gentleman who had heard my interview. And I just said, oh, thank you very much for the friend request. As we do, you know, I, I get a lot of people connecting with me there who are experiencers. So I always try and be a little chatty and not you know, obviously having a lot of time to have a long conversation. I just said hello. And we didn't really speak for four months until July. And one day I was writing my book. And as I was on my computer, I got a direct message to shut my computer, go into the bedroom, sit at the end of the bed, 
facing the Amor and turn off the light and meditate for 15 minutes. Now, I at that time did not know where I got that message from. I mean, it was just like a thought, but it was so direct and so specific. I really took it as something that I had to do at that moment for whatever reason. So I did as I was told. I went in the bedroom and I sat down and I opened myself up to whoever was communicating with me. And I sat there for 15 minutes and I got nothing. And I was extremely frustrated because I was really in a groove with my writing. And so I felt very distracted at that point. So I went back out and opened my computer. And at that very moment, I got an instant message from the same gentleman that connected with me in April. And he said, hello. And I said, hello. And I tried to figure out who he was and really did not remember. So I clicked on his, his photo on his profile, thinking that I might know him or recognize him from somewhere. But I didn't. And as we were chatting, I just perused through his uh, photographs. And as I'm looking through the photographs, I come across a picture of a woman. Now, I did recall that in our previous conversation, he had told me that um, he had been married and that his wife had passed away a few years back from cancer. And as I'm looking through the photographs, I come across a picture of this absolutely gorgeous woman. And... I couldn't stop staring at her. She was staring right back at me. I mean, I could not, I cannot explain the depth of looking into this woman's soul by looking at that photograph. And I just got this feeling from head to toe that she was connecting with me. And I said, oh my God, that was the meditation. I believed at that moment that she was the one connecting with me to meditate. And I asked him, I said, is this picture of this woman with a small child. Is that your wife? And he said, yes, it was. And I said, oh my God, I have a message for you. She wants me to tell you that she is so proud of you and that she misses you and that she loves you and that she's all around you all the time. And now we're instant messaging right now. So obviously I couldn't hear his voice, but I could tell there was a pause. And he said, oh my God, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that right now. I've been thinking about her all day because today would have been her 50th birthday. And that was 7-7-2012. That would have been her 50th birthday. And I thought, oh my God, that's so incredible. I mean, I knew that that was definitely her. And not only that, but the synchronicity of that date with me was very interesting because one of my best childhood friends, that was also her 50th birthday. And it was also my wedding anniversary in 1984. And I told him this. And we thought, wow, that's such a great synchronicity. I mean, what are the odds of that happening? And then he said, well, that's interesting because we were married in August of 1984, a month later. And I thought that was very strange as well. And I noticed that he had three children. And I asked him how old they were. And he said that they were in their mid-20s, and I said, wow, I have two daughters as well who are also in their 20s, and we talked a little bit more, and I said, wow, well, that's really funny because my husband and I were the same age when we got married, and we also turned 50 last year, and he said, wow, well, that's interesting because same with my wife and I, we were also turning 50 in 2012. And I thought, well, this is just too strange. I mean, all these dates and numbers and all these synchronicities with that. So then I asked him, just as an afterthought, I said, well, so when is your birthday? And he said, March 26th, 1962. Now, I about dropped dead because that is my same exact birthday. Needless to say, we were both stunned. And so my next obvious question was, are you an experiencer? And he said, I believe so my whole life. And I believe my children are as well. And I thought, oh my God. So basically the universe was answering me at that moment. I just thought this is too incredible. Now at the time all of this was going on, I had been asked to speak at a conference in Gorham, Maine, entitled Experiencers Speak with Travis Walton, Peter Robbins, Kathleen Martin, among others who were going to be joining us that day. And at that point in my life, I thought, I would never be asked to speak in front of anyone. And I was very intimidated by the thought of even doing so. But for some reason, I felt like that was the time that I needed to do it at that moment. It was just seizing that moment. So I decided that I was going to do it. 
I was going to be brave and stand in front of people for the first time in my life and speak my truth. And all of this is coming together at the same time. So I actually had mentioned that I was going to this conference to this gentleman. And he said, oh, well, I actually live on the East Coast, so I might have to come up and meet you. Now, at this point, I'm thinking, wow, I mean, we obviously have a connection. And maybe this is all happening for a reason. And after speaking to him for over a month, we had become quite close. And we almost felt compelled that there was some sort of a sense of urgency that we were supposed to be working on something together. Almost like there was a a reconnection of sorts that we knew each other before for some reason. And I was definitely thinking that he looked very familiar to me, but I didn't know where I had met him before. And so we actually exchanged photographs from the time we were children because we were both lifetime experiencers thinking that maybe we had seen each other somewhere before, if you know what I mean. So we started out with our earliest photographs from when we were in like kindergarten and then going on through our early adolescent years. And I shared a photo with him of me when I was in junior high and it was Halloween and I was dressed as an alien, (laughs) of course, but not the typical gray alien. I actually was dressed more like what I perceived the emperor to be. And when I shared that photograph with him, he said it knocked the wind out of him. Now, I was quite taken aback by that statement, and I asked him what he meant by that, and he said, I don't know. He said, but I just couldn't breathe. I asked him what was happening, and he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, why are you sorry? He said, I don't know. I just feel like I was there. And I'm thinking, what do you mean you were there? And he says, I think I was standing there watching something, but I couldn't help you. And I felt totally helpless, but I just knew that I was there for you. Now, at that point, I was baffled because is he having a screen memory of a situation during an abduction scenario where he was watching something being done to me and he couldn't help me? And if that were the case, then I was completely freaked out about the fact that I had no recollection of that at all. Now, mind you, I have never had hypnotic regression. I've always been afraid of the thought of finding things out that were disturbing. And I never thought that any of those memories would actually benefit me in a positive way. And so I've opted not to go that route. So that being said, I have a huge gap where things like this might be in my memory somewhere. And maybe if I did have regression, I might remember something that was quite frightening. Don't get me wrong. I It's not that I don't believe in hypnotic regression. I just feel that there are those who need to go that route for their own benefit, if it benefits them to come to terms with what happened to them. But for me, I feel like I'm only remembering the things that I need to in their time. And I don't see how remembering a traumatic experience would actually benefit me in a positive way. So we decided that he was going to meet me in Maine. We spoke at the conference and... At the same time, I'm excited, and at the same time, I'm absolutely horrified and terrified because if this is true about the fact that he recognized me from an experience, I was actually going to meet a fellow experiencer that I might have been involved with during an abduction scenario. And the very same weekend, I'm speaking for the very first time in front of a live audience with people who I, I admire and and have always looked up to when it came to research in this field. So to say that I was intimidated would be putting it very mildly. So I went to Maine and he met me there and we instantly just hit it off. It was just instantaneous very familiar, very interesting that it was so familiar, like we had known each other before. And I have to say that as much as I was afraid of the whole experience of having him there at the same time that I'm speaking, it was actually quite comforting to have he and my daughter there as well to support me on that journey. The conference was amazing. The energy there was incredible. All experiencers speaking about their journeys and the end of the day, we uh, went over to Kathleen Martin's table and had decided that we were going to go to New Hampshire 
to the site of the Benny and Barney Hill abduction. And she said to us, well, if you would like, I can show you where they ended up. And so she gave us the address of a street a few miles away from the actual abduction site. Now, she did not give an address, just a street name. And so we wrote that down and logged it in to the GPS. Little did we know that with that little address that she gave us was going to send us on a journey full of synchronicities that was the beginning of many more to come. So after we woke up in the morning and had breakfast with um, Peter Robbins and a few others, we decided to embark on our journey. Now, when we were at the conference, we at breakfast noticed that there was a little pamphlet talking about the building where the conference was held. Now, that building was previously called St. Joseph's, and it was a church. In the morning, we had actually put in the address for the conference as Church Street, but it was actually School Street, so we made a mistake. But when we decided to go to New Hampshire, we, we typed in Lincoln, New Hampshire, with no destination, and we decided at that point we would figure out where the street was. So we drove to New Hampshire. As we got to New Hampshire, the GPS started giving us directions on how to get to the Betty and Barney Hill abduction site. Well, all of a sudden, we were told to turn right on a certain street. And we were absolutely baffled because we had not entered an address. But the street that we actually were turning down was a street called Church Street. And the address was 29, the same exact address as the conference address, 29 School Street. So we're driving down Church Street. And we come to our destination, which is 29 Church Street, and we turn and we look, and it's a church called St. Joseph's Church in Lincoln, New Hampshire. We thought that was an amazing synchronicity. How could we end up in the same place, a state away? So we turned around and decided that we would figure out our destination. So we pulled in the parking lot, and we look up, and it's a snowboard shop. And the snowboard shop is called The Mothership. So, of course, we had a laugh with that one. Actually, took a photograph of that. <laughs> so we went to the Benny and Barney Hill site after that. And upon taking a photograph there, we ventured onward to the address that Kathleen had given us to the landing site where they found the car. So we plug in the GPS, the street name only. We drive down the backwoods. It's extremely dark. There are no streetlights. We're in the deep woods. We're told to make a left. We make a left. I believe it was called Millbrook Lane. As we're driving along Millbrook Lane, it's telling us that we're getting close to our destination. Now, again, we did not enter an address, but for whatever reason, the GPS was giving us a direct destination. As we got closer and closer, we realized we're getting more and more remote into the woods. And I was getting a little bit nervous, needless to say. We pull up to our destination and we stop. And we realized there's a clearing to our right. We both thought to ourselves, could this be the site? What would be the odds that we would end up in this one spot when there was no address in the GPS? Again, was it another synchronicity? Or were we just supposed to be there at that one moment to witness possibly something very extraordinary? We almost thought, oh my God, are we going to see something? I do believe everything happens for a reason. I do believe that... We need to start really paying attention to these synchronicities and figure out why they're happening. And I also think that we need to stop really focusing on the physical aspects of the phenomenon, not always looking at the distractions and, and the shiny object in the sky and not look at what it is, but why it is. Why are we seeing these things? Why are these things manifesting themselves in front of us now more than ever? Is it because we have the technology to see them? Or are we just really looking? Are we really becoming more and more aware of things that were formerly taboo? Are we finally stepping outside of the box? Are we finally starting to open up and realize that maybe everything isn't, everything is not what was taught to us? You know, nothing is what it was. Everything is what it is now. I mean, if you look at everything we were taught as children, everything that we're taught from all of our handbooks, all of our textbooks, I mean, everything is completely obsolete. 
look at what's happening in the universe. Look what's happening with how many planets that they found that might be inhabitable. The laws of physics, science, and nature are being broken on a daily basis. So why can we not embrace the idea that these things are real, that these things are coming to us, and they are showing themselves to us for a reason? It is time for us to open up our awareness and embrace the possibilities that are seemingly endless at this point. If there was one thing that I would like to gain from doing this, it is to try and open everyone's eyes to the possibilities instead of just sitting here and allowing our society to tell us how to think, what to say, how to feel, how to act. Because literally, we need to embrace who we are and remember who we are and why we are here. If we keep focusing on the physical aspect of the phenomenon, we're not going to evolve consciously. I think we're going to be continually stuck in a groove, watching it go around and around with nothing gained. But if we step outside of the box, even for a moment, I think the kaleidoscope of possibilities will open up to all of us, and we'll start to realize that there is much, much more to this than meets the eye. One thing that stands true is that this phenomenon is real, which means that it is indeed happening. Although the de definition of reality, I think, really is completely subjective at this point. So what is next for all of us then? Where do we go from here? I think that we just all need to really sit back and, and think about everything that we're doing collectively. All of you listening here are here for a reason that they feel passionate about that has something to do with either the paranormal, high strangeness, uh, UFOs, the consciousness, ghosts. I think they're all connected. And I think more and more of us are starting to realize that it's not just the physical aspects of what's going on with humanity. I think it's uh, the elevation of the consciousness that is seriously neglected. And nobody ever teaches a class in, in, in that in school. That is for sure. And that's there for a reason. Obviously, there's a lot of mind control going on from an early age that we really need to educate our children to be able to be an individual and definitely go on their own journeys. We don't own anybody. They're not our property. They are their own individual beings as well. We were taught as children that our parents were to tell us what to do, the teachers tell us what to do, our clergymen, the government, whoever. I know somebody's going to have a lot to say about a lot of the things that I have to say here, but I do feel strongly about a lot of these things, and we're being dumbed down. We're, we're being brainwashed. I mean, come on. So let's all stick together on this and really think about what we're doing here and why we need to open up our consciousness and awaken ourselves to the possibilities that lay beyond the obvious and look at things that aren't so obvious with all the people out there who have something to say about the subject. We've all read those books. We all know that there is something else going on and it's, it's huge and nobody can put a cap on it. I mean, it's endless. So why don't we sit here and think about the things that we can do to change the way that we think about these things together collectively? That's one of the reasons why I'm going to have those types of guests on my show people who have brought that to the table. And unfortunately, a lot of those people aren't with us anymore, but we still have their teachings and we need to really are going to be coming into some hard times, I think. And as much as we are going to possibly digress physically, we need to elevate consciously because I think that the conscious existence is going to far surpass the physical aspect of the human race and although many of you out there might not agree with me, I believe that things are going to change and those changes are going to be brought about by all of you out there who are open-minded, who are going to educate those who are stuck in that rut, who can't step outside of the box and embrace the possibilities that these things are real and they are happening. So if you are listening and you are an abductee or you know somebody who is, stand your ground, support them, have an open mind. Don't look at them like they're the one who doesn't know what they're talking about. Maybe everyone else doesn't know what they're talking about. We know because we've been there we've had the experience and we are here to share this. And that is why 
I encourage you, please contact me at abductiawareness at gmail.com. And if you would like to visit my blog and leave a comment there, you may do so at www.abductiawareness.blogspot.com. And if you have kept this to yourself your whole life and you feel inspired or compelled by this show tonight to share your story, whether it be in an email or if you would like to be a guest on my show, please contact me. I would love nothing more than to be the conduit for you to take a stand and speak your truth and use this platform for everyone to hear and to make the connection with other experiencers if you have not already. I cannot tell you how much it is meant to me to be able to meet people like myself for the first time. Literally, it's been two and a half years since I met my first experiencer, my first fellow experiencer, and that day was so enlightening. I just knew that I was on my path. I knew that I had to get this out there. I look forward to your connection so much. We are all in this together. So let's do whatever we can to support each other, to help each other follow our paths, to get these messages out there as they've been presented to us. So please join me so that we can actually go down this road together. And hopefully along the way, we might be able to start putting together these crazy puzzle pieces that have been our lives. There is so much more to learn here. There is so much more to open up to if you just listen and pay attention to the message. Pay attention to the ones that come to you that have the most synchronicities with you as they are there for a reason. You just have to pay attention to why they're there. Look beyond the obvious. Look outside the box. Let go of the fear. And I truly believe that you will understand the reason why you are here. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you for listening to Random Alien Brain Droppings. And I look forward to hearing your stories about your personal journeys here, as it means a lot to me that you would actually share them. So be strong and don't be afraid to say, I am an abductee, because you never know that person that you say that to might look at you and say the same thing right back to you.